sixth episode of Front End Happy Hour, the show where over drinks we talk about a variety of front end development topics. In this episode, we'll be talking about something really important to software development that we all may or may not like uh, unit testing. Since we're a happy hour show, each episode we choose a keyword that, if it's mentioned, will take a drink. In light of this episode's theme of unit testing, what have we chosen for this uh, keyword? Bugs. 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 Great. So from now on, if the word bugs is mentioned in the episode, we'll take a drink. Let's get started by going around the table and introducing today's panelists. Augustus, you want to start? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Augustus. I'm a front-end engineer at Evernote. My name is Jem Young. I'm a senior UI engineer at Netflix. My name is Derek Showers. I am a UI engineer at LinkedIn. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a UI engineering manager at Netflix. We are kind of light today on the panelists. Uh, some of them weren't able to make it. Jem, what did you say that the reason why they maybe bailed out? <laughs> no, no, everybody had a good reason today, but uh, this is indicative of what happens when I ask people to write more unit tests. Is people are like, yeah, that's a good idea, and then nobody actually does it. And then the people that do just sit around and drink beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that's why we, Netflix is just falling apart right now. <laughs> <laughs> no more unit tests. <laughs> All right, so before we go into 100% coverage of unit tests, I'd like to give a brief description of what an actual unit test is. I think sometimes that can be a pretty bloated term. The way I think of it, and you guys can jump in and chime in what you think of it is, a unit test is a way to focus on a single piece of code. It's typically testing a single function in an object or a module. When I think of a unit test, it should be very simple, quick, and easy to write and run. This will mean that in any given project, you'll probably have multiple unit tests or a lot of unit tests uh, testing a lot of functions. The more unit tests are hopefully to avoid bugs before leaking into the product code. Cheers. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Is that a decent way of describing it? Anyone want to add anything else to what a unit test is? Yeah, I think it's worth um, maybe mentioning, especially I know from people that are just getting started in running unit tests, that there's different type of tests. So unit is a very specific subset of those tests, and I'm, I think we'll talk probably more about that in this episode. But, you know, you have integration tests, mm -hmm. then you have, you know, selenium or acceptance testing. So all are kind of along the same lines, but definitely difference in, like, scope um, of what you just described. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I was focused like really on the unit test, but yeah, yeah it can be confusing as well. Like testing in general, there's so many different things to be testing code. I look at it like unit test is the it's the smallest measure, like unit of work that's happening in your testing lab. You don't want to test like a broad, like entire like you're exporting it's like twenty functions. You want to test all that together. You want to test like one specific function because one small thing. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's very small and to the point. Function does should do one thing and return something. You're like, yep, that's working, and that's how it's how you're testing it. Exactly. Yeah, and that I, for me, getting started like way back in the day, that was the hardest thing was understanding like, what is a unit test. Yeah. Okay, someone explained to me one day this. What's like the most basic thing this function is supposed to do? It's like I don't know, return a string, modify, and he's like, okay, that's that, yeah. and then that's it. Like that's how you get started, and you like you build those up until you have like entire testing suite. And that's that's the funny thing is that unit test is so simple. That's the one little piece of code that is testing your function. You're like, all right, that's it. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think it it also helps you to write better code too. Because then you a lot of times I find myself refactoring my code, and you know this this function is doing 
many more things than what it should be. But when you write that unit test, it's just much more apparent to um, you know the fact that it's doing multiple things. I've totally refactored yeah. code because I've written a function that I'm like, wait, it's doing way too many things here. <laughs> yeah. I can't write a test for this. And your your function probably shouldn't be doing that many yeah. things. Like that's a problem in itself right there. Is it, it identifies those problems, which is great. Yeah, this might be like a given, but I think another big thing about unit tests is that it's very easily automated so that it's just something that you can just like run it like the press of a button and then it just runs and tells you if it's true or false or whatever. So, mm -hmm. so this is kind of a, actually a hard question. Uh, I'm interested to hear how, what you guys think. How do you get started writing unit tests? I've been writing them for a while, but I'm trying to think like, how do you actually get started to write unit tests for your code? Yeah, I think maybe like the reason that that's um, how a lot of us feel is because when you, 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 I think typically a lot of people don't write unit tests for their personal projects. Some, you know, I think it's good. I don't think that, but you know, people, that's kind of like the last thing. So, but you're required to write unit tests when you actually are working on stuff that scales and professionally. So a lot of times that's kind of already set up for you. So I think that that makes it challenging because it's very hard to find those tutorials and and like there's just so many different things that um that you have to figure out like testing frameworks and, and assertion libraries and test runners and all that stuff so yeah so you're saying it's like it's actually that stuff's already it's, figured out for it's you. already figured out when the, you like enter a company yeah. but i mean if you're at a startup it may not be right yeah. very <laughs> very early on and you're right I, I think sometimes even in my own personal projects i'm like ah yeah i don't have to write unit tests which you know probably should and you're right that's probably a added task that you have to do is like pick a framework, find out what you want to test or like what you want to use to make your tests. Um, and so I think there's a little bit more overage that you need to deal with. I, I think the easiest way to get started is like ignore test runners, ignore fancy frameworks that just came out last week. Just use asserts for now. Like Node has assert built in and you just start writing asserts for your functions. So you say, oh, it's expecting a string. So just assert this string is going to be true. And that assert is going to return another string. And that, to me, is like the most basic way of getting started. Um, I got tripped up at the beginning because I, I think when I first started writing unit tests, I was like, what's the hottest, greatest framework out there? And people right. were like, oh, use this and this and this. And I want to say I ended up like using Selenium for something, which is like down the wrong path completely. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. <laughs> because it's confusing. Yes. Yeah. Like in school, we went over unit tests, but or we went over different types of tests, like black box testing, white box testing, but we never went over like what is a unit test and how to write a simple unit test. And it's, Again, like everybody's echo today, it's the most simple level of testing. Like, it's not complicated. It's not sexy. It's just like, does this do this one thing right? And that's it. So I say asserts kind of, um, in Python, I know uh, it's common to write asserts in line with your code. So it's actually not a bad way to start. And then like at the end, you just extract all that to a separate file. Yeah. At least gets you in the mindset of, yeah. Well, yeah. As you're writing and actually thinking through the unit tests as you write the code. I like that actually. That's a good suggestion. Yeah, it's funny too, is that even as we're talking, it does sound like a, it is a daunting task because you're like, what does this mean? So like, that's a hard thing to overcome is like, I think it is scary for someone to get started. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, it's interesting because unit testing is so important and I think everyone like knows it, but they just don't do it. And I think it's because like, kind of what you mentioned about personal projects, like a lot of people don't do it. And it's because I don't think the value of unit tests really like shows us full potential until like you start scaling really yeah. large. Once you start having like huge application, there's like so many little things that use stuff, then like one little thing that breaks, like unit tests can catch that. Um, for me, like I had to like really change like how I thought about going about projects. 
like when I started doing some unit tests, like I had to start thinking of test level cases rather than the actual goal sometimes. I know when I started projects, I'd just be like, oh, like what can I do to get to make this whole like future project? project, but then like I didn't really think about how I would break up my like methods or my functions into like testable with like different little things that I could like test easily. Yeah, it makes sense. It's like you so you change your mindset after mm-hmm. like wanting to unit test, you're sure. making more modular code at that point. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that makes sense. I think it's good. And this is something that tripped me up at the beginning was differentiating a unit test between a integration test. I think Derek you touched on it yeah. earlier. You want to go into like a little bit more detail about the difference because Sometimes they're really, really similar. Yeah. And it like it got me in the beginning as a newbie for sure. Yeah. I can try to explain. I, essentially, it's all about like how much of that, uh, much you're testing. So I think like you start with unit and then you kind of like the funnel kind of expands as you go on integration. Um, so you're testing kind of more of like interaction and, and layout, like make sure that everything's running, depending on what you're, what you're, what you're testing, but like a React component and uh, Ember component. I think are similar to kind of test that component of React. I know for Ember, integration test is, is all around testing that component. And then, you know, Selenium, which you mentioned, and acceptance is more of like the entire user flow from start to finish. What differs from Selenium being not really a unit testing? It's not really unit testing. Yeah, because you're not really testing functions at that point, I think, right? It's the difference is you're, you're testing, you're essentially like a, a bot that's going through the, the site as a user and, um, you know, then you're looking for things like degradation and, and calls failing, what the UI, how the UI, how your different integration components are working together. Yeah, unit, unit, I mean, unit and integration are tricky because it's like, it really just depends on, I think it just comes down to what you're testing. You mm-hmm. know, like if you're just testing that this function returns a, a modified string, like Jen was saying earlier, then that's definitely a unit. If you're testing that this component showed on the page, wherever it is on your, on your application, you're looking probably for an integration test. Yeah, I actually like that explanation. Yeah, it's it's simple to like exactly that. I think yeah. that's a good way to describe it. There's some really, there's actually some really good stuff on, um, for, for, for those of, those of us that write Ember, which is just me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, if there's anybody else out there that writes Ember, hopefully there is. Um, Ember does have some really good documentation on their guide section and they actually, um, outline the difference between all three of those unit integration and acceptance. Nice. And Ember's actually pretty well like, integrated already. Like, yeah, and that, I was, I was, yeah, I was going to say too, when you're talking about like getting test, when we were talking about getting test writers and stuff set up, the nice thing with at least Ember CLI and some, I'm sure some of the other CLIs that are becoming or, or scaffolds or whatever are becoming popular. It's just super easy because it's already built into like the, the, the CLI. So your test runners, like, you don't have to worry about any of that. You know, they use QUnit, but you can use whatever framework you want. Um, but you have like everything built in, like ready to start. You don't want to modify anything. I mean, even when you, it's nice even when you generate a new component with, with Ember CLI, you get the component and you get the test file. And the test file even has example test code and everything in there. So it makes it really easy if you're a beginner and, and uh, you know, figure out what you're testing. So wait, you're basically saying there's no excuse not to write unit tests? <laughs> I mean, it gives you the test. Yeah. <laughs> what makes a good unit test? Like when, if you see a unit test in your code, like another engineer's written it, what makes it good? Like what's something to look for? Or if I was getting started, what should I think of, of actually writing a good unit test? So I'll say this, and I say this all the time. People need to comment more. Mm-hmm. No one, people like sometimes comment their code, but they don't comment tests. But you should comment your tests. And I, that's actually a different uh, school of thought. Cause some people are like, oh, your test should be descriptive in and of itself. But I disagree. You should, you should write tests that are commented and be like, oh, here's what I'm testing. Cool. Uh, the second part of that is, again, it's that fine line between integration and unit testing. If you're importing other libraries, other files, things like that, then it's probably more of an integration test. Like, 
a true perfect ideal unit test is everything's mocked out, other than the file you're testing. And so if I'm testing a React component, like React should be mocked out. Which gets weird because you can't really unit test component of that. But if you're importing like I need like Lodash and jQuery and all these things for a unit test, then you're writing an integration test. That's to me is like it's it's a red flag for if they're unit tests and they're uh they're importing all these other things. So that that to me is like a good unit test. You're like overcomplicating it at that point, is what you're kind of getting at. Yeah, because what if there's a bug in the library? Sure. And then your unit test fails and you're like, Oh, well the test actually passed and the library failed and well that's because it's not a unit test. You're not yeah. testing that unit, so. One thing that, um, not to keep bringing up Ember, but, uh, it's a really good example. It illustrates kind of what, to, 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 um, like help people out that don't know exactly which one's which. They give you, um, limited scope to certain things based on if it's a unit or an integration test. So for instance, on an integration test, you don't have access to that component itself. You just have access to render it. And then only in the unit test, you have access. You, it's called the, the sub, like that you call this dot subject and you get access. So you can test like the individual methods on that. So it's kind of cool because then you have to explicitly say, okay, this is no longer an integration test because I want to test a specific method on this component. So that's awesome. Yeah. Wait, Sometimes it's frustrating because yeah. I'm just like, I just want to be able to test one method as that, or I just want to be able to call this action or something, but I can't because I don't have access. But it's also probably means that I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, it's yeah. like almost helping you from making like that mistake. Yeah, basically, uh, I like that. That's a great idea. I think I, 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 you know, you brought up React. I feel like I saw someone creating a React CLI tool. I don't know. I heard about that. Yeah, I don't. I haven't really followed along too much. Maybe I should probably go look into it more. But I think a lot of the the thoughts and ideas were something along yeah. having Ember CLI. So I'd be kind of interested to see too. I guess too. Why is it important to write tests? Like, what are the benefits for writing unit tests? I mean, it kind of sounds like a dumb question, but I think it's, uh, you know, what, what makes it important to have? I mean, it makes, it makes developers want to drink more. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> because what, what, what does it prevent? It prevents bugs. bugs. It prevents bugs, bugs. yeah. <laughs> I say, like, testing is almost philosophical to a certain degree because, yeah, you understand the code. Like, when, you know, when you're in, when you're writing the code, it's in your mind and you have it down perfectly. Like, I understand top and bottom, blah, blah, blah. Six months from you, future self does not remember any of that code because yeah, maybe you commented, but like there's still some weird things you got going on. To me, a test prevents that. So it comes in, uh, newbie developer number three. They're like, oh, look at this idiot. They're like, Derek, he made, he made this dumb function that does this, but there's a reason he did that. Yeah. And his tests like test that reason. And then someone changes it and then it might like prevent a cascading failure. To me, that's like a good yeah, reason to write tests. What I like, even if you kind of touched on it a little bit there too, but uh, more documenting it for yourself, it's also documenting it for your team or anyone else looking at the code. And you can actually read it and go, oh, okay, I get what Derek's writing or what Jem's writing. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I know actually you were mentioning about comments. You actually are really good at writing comments, Jem. I have seen your code. It is very clean and uh, lots of comments. To me, it's totally, it's totally a facade. Like it, it is a good way to make bad code look good. Not saying my code is bad, but <laughs> hey, you can write mediocre code and then add comments and it makes it look so much better. That's just a simple thing. But um, why to write unit tests other than preventing bugs? <laughs> it's just, at the end of the day, it's sanity, right? You want to make sure that uh, we all work in a large company, so the code we deploy goes to millions and millions of people. Like, you just want a basic someone watching your back saying, like, oh, yeah, if I pass an array to this function expecting a string, the program's going to catch that and it's going to fail. What sort of unit test would test for? But you want to make sure there's just the edge cases you just like take care of. And how many times do you write in, write integration or unit tests and realize that you have a bug in your code? Like, 
All the time for me. Often. Yeah. Often. Like, no, yeah. not every. <laughs> yeah, not all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like often. Every day. It, it's every nice. Every single test I write, they're bugging my head. But it helps because you're actually catching it before you're even passing it off to someone else. Like, maybe you have a, a different person that's actually doing the QA. Is you're catching a lot of those uh, bugs before it actually gets sent off. So that's a good thing. I also want to say it does, like, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but code quality is super important. Like, I think it, it's plain and simple. Your code is a lot better quality by because you are testing it and running these tests constantly to make sure that you haven't broken something. And, I mean, to your point, Derek, it, it happens. It's yeah. like, I'll forget that I was, a, like, that function was supposed to return, you know, a string or whatever, and I'm thinking that it, I do something different with that function and it breaks. I'd rather know about that in a unit test rather than getting it in production and having that break. You know what else? You just you just uh, sparked a not a shower thought, but oh, more a Derek like thought. A Derek thought <laughs> is it slows you down uh, in a good way. Mm-hmm. I think that if you just write code and just push it out, you know, uh, quickly, you know, you're going to miss things. So it like helps you like think about things. The code that you wrote in a different way, like because how how do I test out this code that I wrote? So taking a step back definitely gives better. I would imagine much better code quality because you're. I like that you said it slows you down, but in a way, I almost feel like something I know. Like at Netflix, we like to move quickly and iterate mm-hmm. a lot, and I don't know if it slows us down in that mentality, but it slows us down in the sense that it's making sure that we don't break things in production. It's like we can move quickly. And rely on those units. Yeah, I don't mean this. I don't no, no, no. I, and I knew exactly what you yeah. meant. And it um, was like, but it actually allows you to move quickly, but move quickly smart. Like, yeah. be smart exactly. about it, and exactly. not just yeah. like, all right, whatever. We just we're just gonna ship this. It's okay. Yeah. It's like it's that sanity check. It kind of makes me think of like Facebook, how they used to have the slogan "Move fast and break things," and then they changed it to. But what, what's their new one now? Like, I didn't even know they changed. Like, I do remember that. They, slogan, I think they yeah. changed it to like. Basically, the opposite of it because, <laughs> like, they're trying to like, you know, like we gotta be mindful of what we ship because we have so yeah. many users. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I actually also really like what you mentioned, cascading failures. I actually have, uh, <laughs> I have, I had an incident that happened. Uh, I was to um, in the new code base for Evernote, and um, uh, we bundle our ESLint um, test cases with our actual unit test cases, and. The ESLinting, we have like this automated thought that's like, oh, this is failing, this is ESLint. Mm-hmm. And my friend was like, oh, you can ignore that for now. You know, there's still some bugs with it. And it's like, oh, okay, sure. And so, <laughs> hey, like, everything else looks good. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. I didn't even notice. <laughs> oh. I about this. <laughs> and so I merged it into the testing server, and um, then all these unit tests started failing, and we were like, oh, what's going on? And it turns out, like, ESLint was actually catching something that, hey, I forgot, like, some comma or semicolon or something, and <laughs> yeah. broke all these things. So it's definitely super useful. Oh yeah, I even mean, just a simple like ESLint is like important. Right. It's like yeah. catching that and like letting you know or blocking you from committing like in Git or just like letting you know ahead of time. It's it's frustrating. You're like, oh, I just want to get this out, but at least mm-hmm. it's letting you know that, and it's it's not someone having to do a uh, like code review. It's the computer's telling you, hey, this is wrong. Fix it. <laughs> Especially in a language with no type checking. Oh, totally. Like unit oh, tests yeah. are especially important in JavaScript. Uh, yeah, Java, you know, it'll the the analysis will yield some interesting results if your your uh, types are wrong. But JavaScript, no, just just like uh, last week where we were talking about what's array plus array, like it, it works in JavaScript. It'll work perfectly fine. It'll give yeah. you like what was it? I think it's a blank string. I don't think we actually were sold on the, our answer. We all were. <laughs> we were all very, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Did anyone go and test that <laughs> out? <laughs> I want to say it's a blank stream. I think that tries to do. This was for the interview. Like, yeah, <laughs> but again, like something JavaScript. It's a great flexible language, but no type checking. So imagine that weird error you get when you're trying to like do two arrays or something like that. And a unit test would, would catch that case. It would mm. test test it and catch it if something like weird happens. And that's a good reason to write it. It's a blank stream. Okay. It is a blank. That's the answer. Reads. Thanks for looking up. That, that's actually good. So now we know. If I have to go uh, interview somewhere, I know the answer <laughs> yeah. to that. I'll ask the next candidate. So yeah. Oh, yeah. We could ask someone as well. <laughs> Please don't. Never do this. That's not a good question. <laughs> Jeez. So we've been talking about uh, integration tests and unit tests. I'd like to kind of propose the question of, do we actually need unit tests if we're also doing integration tests? Is it important to have both, or can you do one or the other? Yeah, I think it depends on what you're testing, obviously. So I think, at least in an Ember environment, um, you know, if you have a component, if you create a new component and you don't manage any state inside of that component, there's probably not going to be anything that you can unit test. Like, you can't really unit test an action or, you know, maybe something that toggles a property, you probably wouldn't unit test that. That would, that would all be an integration test. So um, I think that's kind of your answer. If you have a component that will use the manipulates a string <laughs> example, um, and, you know, has set some sort of computed property that, that it uses in a template, you know, that might be something that you want to unit test. You probably want to do both. Um, unit test just that, that one method that's manipulating that string and then you integration test everything else. For the app that I'm Currently working on it at work, it's um, we we write very few unit tests, a lot of integration tests. So maybe we just don't know how to do it. <laughs> uh, no, but we're, we're very conscious of it, and, and we have test engineers work with us as far as determining like what's the best. Like, who's responsible? Is it like both you and a test engineer, or is it like solely you as the engineer to write those integration tests? Yeah, it's kind of um, changing. Uh, it used to be more of the test engineers writing tests. Now it's becoming. I think this is true a lot of places. Um, the, the person who's developing the software is actually writing the test. The test engineer is there for guidance and to help write test cases to make sure that your coverage is what it should be as far as, not necessarily code coverage, but as far as like, um, I think it used to be called like script, test scripts or whatever you want to call it. Like basically what, um, from a UI standpoint, needs to be tested. That makes sense. I also think it's, I think it's really important to have a second set of eyes on it too. Is like it's really tough to just depend on you as the engineer writing it. Because you write things the way you want them to work. And to me, that's always been my hold up with that is like, yeah, I can totally test my own code, but I'm going to test it the way that I intended it to work and not necessarily think of all the edge cases. And that's where, you know, some of those integration tests or unit tests may hopefully bridge some of that gap. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think this is definitely a slippery slope. You know, like it's, it's, I think it is, especially for startups, it's probably a lot easier if, the, if an engineer can do everything from build the, product to or build the feature to test it um, in, in full but I definitely think that there's a danger of that is that you know you're building something and you're building it the way that you think it should work it's definitely good to have that second pair of eyes so I mean it's also like saying especially in the startup is like you could be the an engineer yeah. uh, QA as well as like the CEO and like that I mean that's tough yeah. because it's like you're you're wearing so many hats and that's and you you kind of have to be a little more focused at that point so I, I can see what you're getting at I think uh, I think you need both. I you both have like really valid points. But I was thinking as you were talking, what would I unit test? And honestly, probably most of the stuff I build I wouldn't unit test. But if I decided like, oh hey, I'm using this function here, 
We're using this functionality here. Let me extract that into like some utility library. That I would definitely yeah, exactly. test. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, because so I want to make sure that I'm covering all the cases that this library is going to be used for. And that, and then once that's done, I don't have to worry about it again. But it's something, if somebody was using that library, I wouldn't have you to test that. Yeah, that brings it up. I mean, I think what we do with all these frameworks is we're essentially consuming a lot of these APIs and, and, and just implementing them. So a lot of the stuff that if you're, if that's what you're doing on a day to day, integration tests are probably going to be more common because you're, you're essentially consuming somebody else's. Um, and then hopefully that stuff that you're consuming is what, like React, for instance, you know, there's probably a lot of unit tests in React because that's what's making all of your stuff consuming that work. So. Yeah. And probably though, I, I mean, I would assume the majority of our listeners and, and us are writing, like are, are building features and not necessarily library code. Oh, totally. So. Well, I even like what Jim said there. You kind of mentioned using something that once it's used multiple times, like is that, it almost feels like that's when you should abstract it as a module and leverage it and probably write a unit test. It, I think that's kind of what you're getting. Yeah, at. that's absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, that's totally when I found myself writing more unit tests where I'm like, Wait, I'm using this like similar function. I should probably abstract that and make it a module that I can then use in both files or whatever it may be, but then also uh, probably write a unit test for it as well. Yeah. And as front end engineers, like just show of hands of the room, how many people have built a big feature, big complex feature, and the spec has not changed from start to finish? <laughs> yeah, no, nobody. No, no, that's, exactly. That's never, so yeah. that's so true. If you start off and you're like you, you hammer junior engineers like you need to write more unit tests. What are you doing? Come on, man. And then they're like, okay, so I wrote this awesome test suite. Oh, but the spec changed in the middle, which is it happens all the time. And it's going to keep happening. Then unit tests probably not your best idea. As long as uh, you have like, oh, it needs to do this and then do this. Probably write an integration test because that's probably not going to change in the long run, but. The core, like guts of what's mm -hmm. happening, is probably going to change a lot. So, and that's actually a good segue. Sorry, so your thunder ride into <laughs> test-driven test development. Oh, totally. So, writing test-driven development is that you're actually starting from writing your tests, like you write tests in order before writing your actual code. And so, I guess I'm assuming your opinion on that is if the code is changing, like the spec is changing, it's probably very difficult to write test-driven development at that point. I think, and everybody on the internet can disagree with me, but I think test driven development is a relic of, of like the 90s and the 80s when A, you had type languages, you had, when you had massive mainframes that are running like these very like complex, like C++, like Java like meaty, dense languages. And so, and you have code that's probably not going to change because agile wasn't a thing back then. Like you weren't constantly changing spec like, your spec was written down in a book. And this book was like printed out and distributed, so everybody's like referencing this book. And these are these are like the old school engineers we think of. And then, yeah, in those days, test driven development, sure, because you start with a test and then you code against that. But modern web development, I don't think that, that flies anymore. Like Do you think it's maybe um not just the eighties and nineties, but maybe um what type of development you do too. Like I I'm thinking maybe like an I don't know this, but I'm thinking maybe like if you're building the uh, mid tier, like the API level. Maybe your stuff shouldn't change as much. Um, like your API should be pretty solid. So maybe you could do more test driven development or when you're working with databases and stuff. I, I don't yeah. Know. No, no, you're right. Sorry. I should clarify for web development. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like test driven development probably isn't a thing as much. If you work at NASA and that code on <laughs> that satellite or whatever, <laughs> yeah. 
needs to work the first time and like it cannot fail. Yes, test driven development, absolutely. But as far as web development, I, I don't think test driven development really works. And that's kind of the same as I think a, a good the way to think about it is is looking at like a back end versus front end. Like a, 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 a an API is kind of the same way. I mean, you you hand somebody like this API, this documentation, like this is your API. Um, sometimes you don't even have control of the API, right? It's it's you know if you're using a third party API or something. So um, you're just like it's kind of the same rabbit. thing, right? You're, you're, yeah. So I think one one thing I kind of want to challenge that a little bit, like I agree in some ways of the fact that, especially in startups and like on a product base, you know, if you're trying to move quickly, I've also been at a lot of agencies before I actually moved to product side. And a lot of the agencies I worked at would have a lot of signed off from the client. So you would have these very detailed wireframes. I would love getting them. It was like nothing changes because it was signed off by the client. It was very clear what I had to develop and like what the functionality had to be. So I think in that aspect, I would feel more comfortable writing unit tests ahead of time and doing the test driven development because I have a clear, you know, well-documented spec that is not changing. Being now more product product driven, I feel like we change things, we iterate and we want to move quickly and we're not necessarily having like a client saying, all right, this is done. Yeah, perfect. Here's the spec. This is not going to change. We have to have that sign off. So I think there's a little bit back and forth, and that becomes a harder thing to be tester of development. I don't know if anyone else has had experience with that, but that, that is one case where I'm like, I feel a little more confident writing tester of development. I, I think maybe. I think the problem, though, is that, uh, at least in my experience, clients can be somewhat indecisive. So they might have thought they signed <laughs> off on something, but... Then they look at it like Internet Explorer 5.5 on a Mac, and they're like, "Whoa, why are you supporting that?" <laughs> I don't know. Well, they come up with like the most like, the craziest things sometimes. So like, I guess a lot of the agencies I was working at were it was in Toronto, so it was working on Walmart.ca, so the Canadian version of like Walmart.com, and a lot of that stuff had to be approved and wasn't really changing. It was very well documented. Like we had UX designers like building out these like really well detailed wireframes before it actually hit my plate and that I had to build it. So I I don't know, like that's a larger client and I think maybe a little more bureaucracy around that. Um and it's not a lot of change. Maybe. Maybe you just got lucky. Maybe Walmart, <laughs> maybe. maybe Walmart just doesn't give a shit about that. No, 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 they did. They, Especially they, the Canadian <laughs> website. They're like <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> on the Canadians. But even like, I worked at, for a lot of banking sites yeah. and a lot of telecommunications, th- those type of things, it was like Everything was very well detailed and throughout the process, and that was approved before development actually started. So I guess I was, I'm, that's what I'm yeah. getting at, is that, yeah, it wasn't just yeah, Walmart yeah. necessarily. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a valid point. <laughs> and when I think of, like, TDD, actually, I really like how you brought up earlier, like, writing tests makes you move slow in a good way. Like, I think that's, yeah. like, what TDD kind of embraces. And actually, I was so inclined to, like, disagree with you, Jim, but then once you, like, talked about it, how we're moving to agile and web development. I, I think, like, I ultimately agree. Like, I feel like TDD might not have as much of a place for web development as maybe like if you had like a very specific spec with like super super specific wireframes or like an API that's documented by NASA yeah. or something. <laughs> like, I think it makes less sense. But it's I don't know. It's so interesting. I feel like we were trying to move super fast, and they were like, "Wait, wow!" Like now we're just breaking a bunch of stuff. So maybe we should start yeah. Stuff. And I'm purely, I'm purely colored by my own experience. And that's, I've never started a project, a large project, and it's stayed constant throughout the thing. So, again, like someone probably has a parallel experience, but it's like completely different from mine. Like we, same companies and everything, but 
I, I, I'm just thinking, wouldn't it be funny if, if you get like, you're working like a two day task or a feature and like you go to stand up and, alright, what's your, what's your update? I wrote the test. <laughs> I haven't written anything like, I haven't else, but, anything. uh, you know what? My code will be bug free. <laughs> got it all figured all out. Figured out. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that is a perfect segue into another topic is what is your company's philosophy on testing? Because some people, I know Netflix in particular, they build in like writing tests and things like that into part of like building the feature, but not all companies do. Some people are like, oh, you have a week to build this. And you're like, okay, I need a week to build it. And I need three days to write a test for it. No. What? What? Test? Just build it. So, I don't know, since we all worked at well, right. <laughs> well, you summed up Netflix for me, but yes, we do, we do actually uh, build in time for testing and writing tests for automation and for unit tests. Um, it doesn't have to be your current company. It could be like former companies. Yeah, other companies. Yeah. Uh, I, well, so a good current contrast is... Um, when I worked at uh, Apple, uh, I worked on the marketing site, and uh, it was all there's no test writing test. It was all um, uh, visual QA, which was a lot different than LinkedIn, which all automated and no visual QA or very little visual QA. So, um, and that's QA. I know is a whole other beast that we may cover in a future episode. But, um, but as far as yeah, as far as testing, it's pretty much the same. And and uh, what Jen was saying about Netflix, I mean, we do a lot of are writing our own tests. Um, and I think now that like something that Ember's helped us to do is to be able to um, kind of um, move away from Selenium type testing and more of like code, like writing tests in, in uh, acceptance tests. And uh, it's a lot easier to manipulate an app uh, like an Ember app than it is to manipulate an app that spans across hundreds of pages. <laughs> yeah. Well, so in school, for school projects, we had to write J units. <laughs> um, I don't know how much the teacher actually looked at them. She was just like, "All right, well, looks like it's passing." Um, but um, but yeah, she's just like, "It looks like it, really <laughs> it looks, looks like good." But I remember I just like asserted, "Yeah, this is returning this to Boolean." I'm yep, not really sure good. how to run it, but <laughs> I saw so I have worked at a company. I won't say which one, but. It was like that. They're, I was like, yeah, code's good, all the tests pass. No one ever looked at the test. I could have just been like a certain through the entire time. Like, I have 400 tests on this one bunch. They're all true. 100% coverage. Yeah, 100%. It's good. It's good. Yeah. We've mentioned a lot about frameworks as well. And I don't, I'd be interested to know, uh, what frameworks people should be using or should look up or what frameworks have you used? I think I've tried quite a few of them for unit tests. I'd be interested to hear what you guys have tried and what worked, what didn't. What do you like about them? I think before we talk about the actual frameworks, too, maybe we just give um, people an idea of like the differences between the different types of frameworks. Um, so I found a really good article um, that we can put in the show notes. Um, but so there's a difference between a test runner, a testing framework, an assertion library, and then plugins, right? So um, this article gives a good example of Karma being a test runner. So that's essentially just um, in charge of setting up a server, um, basically just like the same as if you went into Node, I guess. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I guess it's kind of the same thing as setting up a server in, in Node and then like calling on a page to to pop up and then running through all of your tests in the browser. Um, so it kind of takes care of that for you. Mocha, then example of a testing framework. There's Jasmine, Qt in it, um, a bunch of other ones. Um, Chai is the assertion library. So I think that that's um, just a way for you to Get fancy with the way you assert things. Is that yeah? Is that a good explanation yeah, sure. of that? That's a very good <laughs> yeah, so, it. So, <laughs> so you know, it's kind of boring to put like assert true. Like you know, you want to 
maybe say, you know, expect this to happen this way or expect this not to be empty, that kind of thing. Dot, it's like yeah. expect yeah. dot to yeah. dot B dot A yeah. stream, something like that, yeah. Um, and then they have an example of a testing plug-in plug that um, comes up a lot is sign-in. Um, mm. So um, that just kind of helps you. Because in a lot of tests, you want to be able to mock your your function calls that you're not testing. So like if you're not testing React, for instance, you might want to mock some of their methods if you're building an app in React. Um, so sign-in helps you do stuff with that. I think it helps you do stuff with like XHR requests that you probably don't want to make in tests and mock the response and stuff. So anyway, I just think that's a no, good that's actually That's something that's really confusing really yeah. for me when I sit down. I'm like, okay, I want to use Jasmine or Mocha or Karma. Oh, wait, they're not the same thing. I always find myself uh, like <laughs> typing Karma versus in, uh, or whatever it is, yeah. versus in, in, uh, in, in Google. Google. So then yeah. I can see like, okay, what is it? What is it like? Well, because they're, you can use them together too. It's not yeah. like it's, it's not like you're using Karma by itself. It's like you're probably using Karma and Mocha or, you know, Jasmine. It's like there's a variety of things that you can use together yeah. in order to, to use that. Yeah. It's like a test runner versus a framework. And that's why it's nice that some of these CLI tools now are coming, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but are coming with essentially the test runner. Um, so QUnit for Ember ships with QUnit. QUnit is a testing framework, but Ember CLI actually has its own test runner that it, you know, fires up and so you don't have to worry about any of that stuff, which is nice. That is nice, because then you're like, I'm using QUnit. I don't know what yeah. else is happening. And, and it's essentially, cool. that's once you have everything set up, that's what you really need to know, because that's where you're going to go for documentation, yeah. like yeah. how, like what the syntax looks like, you know, and, and that kind of thing. That's a very good point, too, is like the test runner is just going to run the test. It doesn't really matter at that point. If you're writing the test, you need to read the documentation for something like QUnit yeah. or whatever whatever you're using. That's the most important thing that you care about as the engineer. You're looking at that as the documentation. Then it's also hard, I found that like when you're looking for stuff, it's also hard to differentiate, okay, what frameworks test a node, what frameworks are better at testing browser stuff, and they can both do both, obviously, because it's all JavaScript, but there's definitely a difference in the way that you set it up. Like, for instance, you can use Mocha. If you're testing a node app, you probably wouldn't need a test runner, because you can just pipe that through Mocha, and, like, you know, it's probably enough, whereas the advantage of the test runner is, like, firing up different browsers. But I always found that hard when I'm searching for, like, what to do. It's like, you know, I find this framework, I get down the route route of um, trying to Add it and everything, get it in, integrated. But then I'm like, okay, this is actually primarily this setup is primarily for for testing a Node app, not web app. Oh, I feel like the minute I'm just if I'm only testing Node, it's so much easier. Yeah, it's, it's when you start fun. jumping into the browser that that's the harder part. Yeah. That is especially then when you're in and when you're also trying to transpile ES6 down to you know ES5, and then you have like working with Webpack, and you you have to like make all that. And it's like, okay, what is Webpack? Is it does it take the step of the test runner, or do I need that too as a plug in the webpack? Because then there's all these plugins, right? So, yep. like, even if you're using Gulp, you can use like a Gulp Karma plugin, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, you yeah. Really, you could do it all in Gulp. So, pretty it's like, much like, yeah, Gulp can run a lot of it, but yeah. there's also, I, I, I know there's the Gulp Q unit, a Gulp like Karma. There's, yeah, I guess that's pretty just, much probably, I think Gulp Jasmine. I don't know if I've ever used it, but I, I know it's there. But I, I really do think that this is uh, something that hopefully we can solve one day as a community because I do think it's very confusing. More so than even just JavaScript frameworks to write, to write features and, and create apps. I think <laughs> unit testing is just so much out there. And, and then, you know, each, each, uh, framework kind of has their recommended. So, um, mm -hmm. I was, you know, doing some React stuff. I don't do a lot of React stuff, but like all of the, all the stuff I found online was like, use Jest, use Jest. I think it's Jest, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like yeah. Facebook's. Facebook has created yeah. that one. So of course, you know, a lot of the recommendations and even in their own docs are like, use Jest. So it's, it's tough. So I've written React at two different companies now, and 
We haven't used Jest for it. <laughs> I've, I've, tried I've, it. I've looked at it, tried yeah, it. Yeah, I've tried it. I, it's just too slow. Yeah. The spin I, up time is just. It, I'm, it I'm sure painful. someone. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like awesome because it does mocking for you. So it makes sure you're writing like unit tests and integration tests. And it's a really powerful framework, but it's just too slow. So if you make one change, it has to rebuild all the mocks for you. And it's just. If it was a little smarter, I would probably use it more. But we use uh, Mocha at work. Yep. Probably a few other. Depends on the team, but we use Mocha on our teams. Any frameworks that you use that come here, like that you would suggest, or even someone new is starting, what's the best thing to jump into? Or do we recommend something like Mocha? It is widely used. Mocha's pretty easy. Yeah, I find it pretty easy to get up and running to. I feel like Mocha is really solid because it's so popular and there's just so much documentation. Like, I was looking at, like, future, like, other ones, like this new one called Ava. I was, like, looking into it. Um, It's, like, made Sintra and Chorus and has like all this stuff like sports promises and, and not that like Mocha doesn't support that, but it's just like interesting. I was like looking more into it, but Mocha just has so much like community behind it that I think it's like a solid one to start with. I think it's always important too is having the more popular one that's used, there's more documentation, there's more people using it, which makes it a better framework in general. It's like I think that even if you talk about a front end framework, it's like when you have a community behind it, it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> One I, I have been using uh, here and there, which I do really like, and I know Augustus and I have used it on projects, is Tape. And it's like very quick and easy to get up and running. And it's like simple. And the documentation is pretty clear. It's like, you know, are you equal to the, like, should this equal this or not equal to this? And it's very quick and easy to get up and running. It is one that I have used. I don't know how popular it is. Um, I've also used Mocha quite a bit. So um, just Tape, I found really nice and easy to get up and running. And I guess with Mocha, then, you can just use Mocha, uh, and it'll just run it through Node. Like, you don't need to... It, it won't open... I guess, can can you do browser testing with Mocha? I, I think you need something on top of it. Yeah, I think Karma would... If you did Karma... It probably doesn't Mocha. set up a... It probably doesn't have a... In the framework to set up a server and stuff. No, that's pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. it's it's well, pretty straight. Which is good, is that it yeah. does one thing, and it, that's what it does. Um, So you would have to tie it in Karma. One thing I, I wish... um. Uh, have you guys used Webpack at all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Webpack's really nice, and uh, their plugin architecture is really nice, and uh, I wish that they would add, like, just some unit testing stuff. Like, that you can basically, they just have plugins, so you, you use Karma as a plugin. I guess that's kind of what they want to do, but I don't know. Webpack's probably the closest, I think, to, like, being the everything that you need to uh, <laughs> out of the box to, like, transpile from ES6, and maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> Webpack creators are listening in. <laughs> so as we wrap up today's podcast, and, and before we get into the picks, what is like one piece of advice that you would say to someone starting to write unit tests or wanting to get started? I think Jim had a really good point earlier. It's start simple. Um, so um, I know a lot of frameworks actually support the assertion. Even Ember does that too. Um, and it's actually a really good way to get in the mindset. Um, so start simple and then kind of if you start from like I need all this stuff to make everything work, then you're just going to get overwhelmed and just decide you don't really want to worry about. It. And to build off that, uh, I would say my best advice is set it up. To me, like writing unit tests, the the longest part is always getting all the setup to write the unit test. Um, so if you do that and you just tell other engineers like, look how easy it is to write a test, that to me is the best way to get started. Just like set up the system, write simple tests, and then it's just 
Once that's all built, it's actually really trivial to write UNSS, but yeah. Or as to why to prevent bugs. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. Um, for me, like, uh, there was actually a medium article I found that really helped me. It was um, it was titled Five Questions Every Unit Test Must Answer." I thought it was like really good to like. It was like a good read through of what like, makes a good unit test. And in terms of like how to get started, I think yeah, I think like just starting off simple, like really simple, and just like looking at like what you're making and what can be tested. It's like a really good like another perspective to look at um, for tackling personal projects and stuff. I think to finish off, kind of iterate on the same things, write modular code. I think that to mm-hmm. me is a big one. Is once you start breaking things into components or very small, uh, small functions, I think that you can write easier tests. Yeah. And I, I think just because, just since we were talking about starting simple, um, um, one thing that we, um, we'll make sure that we do this, this week is to add some of this stuff to our show notes because a lot of information, uh, yeah. that came along here. And, uh, so sometimes I know, especially in the podcast, it's hard to like, Get all this information when new stuff's being thrown at you, new terms and stuff like that. So we'll try to make sure we give everybody the opportunity to do some more research and we'll talk about if you like. Great. So uh, let's go around and give our picks for this week. Augustus, want yeah. to start it off? Sure. Uh, so some of the picks I have, uh, Google Doodles. You go to google.com slash doodles. They have like every single like Google Doodle, doodle they did like you know how they changed like the logo of yeah. Google. It's like super. It's like an archive of yeah. Think. It's that's just awesome. An archive. I was like, that's awesome. Just a couple others. Uh, OSSU Computer Science Curriculum. Um, so on GitHub, there's this thing they're called the Open Source Society, and they have a whole curriculum for you to learn computer science. Um, it's totally free. Super awesome. Has so much resources. So if you just want to get started on it, it's awesome. The other thing is there's um this thing called Team Lab at the Pace Art Tech Museum. It's based in Menlo Park, and it's this uh, tech museum that shows showcases a bunch of digital art that's closing in June, but it's, like, super cheap, and I would totally recommend it if you want to take someone out on a date or... Ooh. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was, it's really fun, and there's just so many awesome digital art pieces. And then, uh, uh, for, like, music, um, one that I've been listening to is What If I Go by Miramasa. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my music uh, pick this week is Flume, the mixtape. I'm a huge fan of Flume. He does some amazing remixes. Uh, but Flume, the mixtape, is just put on rock out. It's probably, I think it's pretty short. It's like 20, maybe 30 minutes. Uh, check it out. Uh, Hype Machine, uh, hypemachine.com, or it's actually hypem.com. Fantastic for music discovery. I, I use it literally every day. I was a huge fan of SoundCloud, but SoundCloud really fell off. But Hype Machine has been around for like I think since two thousand something, like early two thousand. Uh, I recommend it, Hype Machine. Um, and lastly, programming sucks. Um, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it's it's a good read. I, I won't go too much into it. It's pretty long form, but it's good about more philosophical things about engineering, which we don't always get to. But to me, engineering is like a philosophy, so as much as a science, which is. I hate to say it, like, that's why some degrees are in computer science and art. Some people, it, some are in uh, computer science and science. And, yeah, it's, check it out. It's a good read. Cool. Um, so, I have two picks this week. Um, the first one is, uh, so I just migrated all of my stuff from iCloud to uh, Google Calendar. Because uh, we, we're, some of us. Because I convinced you to. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really like it so far. And the one thing I found, I think, I guess it's new, but, uh, is Google Calendar goals. Yep. Um, so you can set goals, whether it's a fitness goal or, a, uh, I have like 
just basic workflow goals, so like plan the day. Um, but what's cool is you can delay them, you can check them off, um, or you can move the time, and then it'll adjust um, your your goal like as needed. Uh, it's kind of like this, basically like the idea of a reoccurring reminder, but not but smart. So I thought that was a really cool idea. Um, and the other thing I, I was reading this article uh, actually just yesterday about. Um, the future, you know, we have all this stuff about, um, texting and bots and stuff, but this guy was talking about how the future he thinks is more of like, um, uh, sound and like, and like connecting to a phone via a Bluetooth head- headset or something. Um, so like music Siri or whatever, um, um, some sort of like AI group. But I thought it was really interesting. And he was talking about how he wore it like throughout the whole day and like always had like, I just like, even with video, videos, the tough part about videos, you don't have. Uh, you, you don't really have a headset readily available. So anyway, the, he mentioned this thing on Amazon. It's a $13 Bluetooth headset, <laughs> and it, like, fits in your ear uh, for 13 bucks. So I bought you it. You can't go wrong for 13 Yeah, so it's a pick, but I didn't even try it yet, but I'm convinced that <laughs> oh, it's well. going to be. You're, you're, you're like, <laughs> that out. You're the, like, the pick part good. of it is this is only $13, which is crazy for nice. a cord- cordless headset. For my picks this week, one that actually Ryan Anklum, who's not here today, uh, had suggested when we're doing this podcast is that sometimes this, you know, like, or I, pr- I present a lot in meetings and my screen will like go on into the screensaver and I have to like sign in again. Uh, there's this app called caffeine on the Mac and it just keeps making sure that your computer is turned on at all times. I love it. It can turn it on and off and it's just in the toolbar. So caffeine for Mac, really good. And, uh, just recently I was listening to, uh, some music while I was coding which was uh, Odessa. Uh, it's kind of just like electronic music, very calming background music. I really enjoyed it. So that's uh, my two picks for this week. Yeah, film that makes sense. Nice. All right, let's uh, end today's episode. Before we end it, where can everyone find you online? Odessa's. Oh, yeah, my Twitter handle is at Augberto. A-U-G-B-U-R-T-O. Great. Jim? I'm at Jim Young, and as usual, if you tweet me dog pictures, I will send you stickers. Nice. I'm Derek at Derek Showers, and uh, you don't have to tweet me any sort of picture. <laughs> you can just tweet me, and I'll send you stickers. They need to earn it. <laughs> they need to earn it. <laughs> and my Twitter handle is Burgess D. Ryan. So, and I'd also like to thank everyone for listening. Uh, we really appreciate all of our listeners and all the encouragement to keep these episodes going. So we've really enjoyed doing them and enjoying to hear that people actually like listening to them. You can also find us on Twitter at FrontendHH. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and we will send you stickers if you tweet at us. Thank you so much.